Hello and welcome to the 127th edition of the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News. My name is Jason Luber. I am pedestrian and multimodal transportation advocate Joseph Peters. Drove here today. Driving still stressful. Bus still easier. You drove and it's stressful. Yes. I will give you a heads up. There is a, for the next month, a construction project on the westbound side of 6th Avenue from I-25 through Federal and about Perry Street. Uh, one lane is going to be blocked. Yes. You will see delays intermittently throughout the day. It's the worst. It is the worst. 8th Avenue, 13th, Colfax, those can all get you around it. Appreciate you, man. There you go. That's your traffic tip of the day. Traffic guru, Jason Luber, making his money right there. I was on the road again. Uh, Obviously, I drove here, but I also drove to Hutchinson, Kansas. It was another baton twirling event for my girls. Uh, They are expert baton twirlers. Mm -hmm. You can read all about it in the latest edition of Colorado Parent Magazine uh, and my uh, twirling. Being a twirly dad. Uh, If you want to see them, there's also a nice picture of them and myself in that Colorado Parent Magazine article. Uh, Page 26, by the way. (laughs) Don't (laughs) waste time with pages 1 through 25. Go straight to 26. Uh, Anyway, Hutchinson is the small town of 42,000 in south central Kansas, not too far from Wichita. And it was a long drive. It was about nine hours. Uh, we had to stop for dinner and a time change, about seven and a half hours on the way back. And and the one thing I forgot about long road trips is my hammy. Not moon over my hammy, but my hammy, my hamstring actually got sore. Even though I did have the cruise control, which I was so thankful for. Cruise control is the greatest. It is wonderful. Just wait till the car does everything for you. Oh, can't wait for that. <laughs> then I could have just sat there and just vegged out like my kids did uh, watching movies on the laptop. That would have been great, but instead I was keeping the eyes on the road, and the hammy was a little sore. Um, and also going from a sitting position for a long time and then standing up like to pump gas or get out of the car for dinner. There, there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm not seventy, but I'm, I'm getting up there, and and the body starts to wear down. Yes. Yes, no, when you sit in one position for an extended period of time, you know, when you're 18, you can just jump right back up. But yeah. when you're 30, you can't really just jump right back up. You sort of creak your way out of the vehicle, and it just gets worse as you get older. And when you're 50, it gets even worse. Yes. WD-40 is the answer, I've heard. It's like Indiana Jones used to say. It's not the age, it's the mileage. That, yep. And yep. I've had a lot of mileage on this body. Um, we went through some small towns that looked dead. Um so that was sad to see. There were a couple of roads in some of those small towns that were flooded out. They've had some problems with flooding in parts of the Midwest, including in Kansas. And there was water uh, along some of these roadways uh, right next to it. Some had spilled over. Some had actually washed out some of the dirt roads there. But with water comes bugs. Oh. And when you're driving at night in Kansas and the brightest light is the headlights, what do you get? Dead bugs! <laughs> yeah! That's right. It was a bug storm, as my little girl would yell and scream oh, in the backseat. So we're driving down this rural road coming into Hutchinson. It's, I mean, it's, it's really dark. 
And so I would have, if, if there was a car passing, I'd have the low br- uh, beams on. And then when the car passed, I would put the high beams on. And then you see these swarms of bugs right in front of the car and then whack right into them. And it sounds like little pieces of hail oh, that you're hitting. Man. And it is just, and they're getting, of course, obliterated uh, with the car. Um, tiny little bugs, basically. Thousands of insects. Having their tiny little insect body, well, having their souls knocked right out of them. Correct. Giving their life for the cause, you could say. Leaving their lifeless, gooey corpse all over the front of my car. Oof. Yeah. And that, and there were plenty of it. It was actually so tough to see out of the windshield, <laughs> I had to wash it off. Well, that was going to be my qu- next question, is how often were you using the windshield wash? Because Well, I, assume- I didn't want to. Because you know how when you do that and you give a couple of bugs in there, then it gets all gooey, smushy, awful, and then it stays on the windshield for a long time after you've tried to clean it. Yep. And then you have to scrape and clean each blade of the windshield wiper to get all the bug juice off of there. And then you have to really scrub with good uh, spray the windshield to get rid of the last of the bug guts because it seems like... At that moment, the glass is so porous, it's just holding on to the last of their innards. Yes. Yes. This is a classic case of fix or replace, right? Because after you go through that, you say fix it. You know, take, put in the effort, scrape all that bug juice off the windshield wipers. I say new windshield wipers, man. Just new windshield wipers? Boom. Give me a new set. I'm <laughs> done with that. I do have pictures on my Instagram page. It's called uh, Denver 7 Traffic. The number seven, if you want to see some of that carnage. I took some up-close pictures of the carnage. Yes, it is a massacre. It is a, a total massacre. Uh, warning signs on the interstate. I did notice this, because I, I like to look at sign, signs, everywhere a sign. And uh, at, at this part of the of the journey, we were getting uh, off of I-70 and then getting back on after getting gas. And I saw this sign that says, you know, warning, don't do this, don't do that. It also had at the bottom, it says, no animals ridden, led, or driven on the interstate. I'm thinking, all right. Okay. I, I, I get the ridden. I get the led. And I'm thinking driven must be as in like driving a herd of cattle when you're going from one place to another. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I guess led is you are having the animal follow you and driven you're basically pushing the animal along, right? Is that basically that how you think right. it works? Yeah. Um, but I, I had to look that up because it was really intriguing, and it actually comes from the Code of Federal Regulations for Highways way, way, way back when there were construction companies that used animals to help with the road building and construction, when they used them way, 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 way back. And the language and the safety warnings apparently have stuck, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, Hutchinson, by the way, is also the home of the salt mines. Yes, we talked about this. Did you visit the salt mines? We did take a tour of the salt mines. It's pretty darn cool. 68 degrees cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so constantly 68 degrees. Now, now this was the interesting part for me. It's because most of the salt that they haul out of there is actually used on roads for de-icing. And many of the drivers think that when the DOT is putting down salt they're putting down actually a salt sand mix now here across the front range of metro denver they have a problem as well as other towns around the country 
that use salt, and they, they try not to use sand because it can be ground up into fine particulates and then gets in the air and contributes to brown cloud, that whole thing. But when people see this salt, this mined salt getting thrown down on the ground, they think because it's dirty, it's not just pure white. They think it is a uh, salt-sand mix, Mm -hmm. but that's actually not the case. So they grind it up into little pieces, and there are little pieces of impurities. There's little dirt pieces and other minerals and other impurities in that salt. So it it looks like a salt-sand mix, but it's really just the salt with dirt, earth dirt. Yes. And so many of the DOTs use that uh, for their road salt, many in the uh, Midwest. Now, I believe, as I recall, that the state of Colorado gets their salt, their mined salt, from Utah. It's another big salt mines out there. Um, But it was really neat. It was really uh, fun to see the salt mines. We were 650 uh, feet below the surface. Are there just giant piles of salt, like giant piles of snow during the wintertime under there? Or like, what, what's no. the visual? So when you go down in this, first you got to get into this, it's a, a double-decker elevator. And so it holds only 15 people in each deck, and they take you down, and, and the ride is about you know, about a minute or so, and it's pitch black. They uh, they offer the, the riders to have the light turned on or not. And we said, no, we don't, don't turn the light on. And it is pitch black, where you cannot see the hand in front of your face pitch black. Fantastic. Okay. Super dark. So then you get down to the bottom, and you're in this giant cavern area where it is the uh, where it's just the staging area. They have some seats there for people that are going to be waiting to go back up. And then you start walking through, and they, they give you some history of the salt mine and give you a map of exactly where you're under so you know what's above you. And then you walk over to this the, these and these areas are all just previously carved out of the uh, of the underground salt mm-hmm. and you're walking in there and so you're walking on the salt and the salt's on the walls and, the, and it's just and the ceiling is salt and everything it's just really cool okay and you get in there and they actually have uh some of the mining equipment they give you t- you know de- uh, detailed uh um information about how the mining works and how they cut this thing and they do that thing and all the equipment that's in there and everything that goes down into the mine stays in the mine so if they were going to put a, uh, a a piece of equipment of some sort down there to do any mining, it's still down there a hundred years later. Okay. Everything is still down there, they never- including the vehicles. They would take the vehicles apart and then reassemble them down there. But they didn't need everything as part of the vehicles. So they would take the engine out because they couldn't really use diesel engines or gasoline engines down there in the mine because it would be killing all the workers. Right. So they, try- so they retrofit them with, with electric engines and... They uh, would take the pieces of the truck or car or whatever, and then you send it down to the mine that would fit in that elevator, and then reassemble it, and then off they go. So huh. it was pretty neat. They had these two different tours, one on this uh, little uh, uh, train that would take you around, and then this other little tram that would take you around parts of the mine. You see these just big caverns, and then there's these, it's, uh, what, 11 by 15 or so, these these hallways, and then there's these big pillars that obviously keep the ground from falling on you very important and they have this dark ride is what they call it where again you go into this part of the mine and they shut off all the lights and it is total darkness that's awesome total mine darkness okay and another interesting thing they had down there is they actually have a storage area because it is so low humidity and 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 it's such a controlled environment down there with temperature and humidity uh, low moisture is now they're they're saving and storing movies, 
all the old movies, like the old original Gone with the Wind, the original Wizard of Oz, you know, Kansas, obviously, it'd be a good place to keep that. <laughs> um, but, but they have all these, and I was looking at some of the, uh, they have uh, rooms full of all the different movies and TV shows. They had Friends. I was looking at that going, hey, that's the episode of Friends. And it says it right on there. I mean, they have the, the actual movies there or videotapes. For storage, long-term storage. That's fantastic. Okay. That's an, that is reason enough to go visit the salt mines. Hutchinson, Kansas. Send us a check, man. We <laughs> owe us now. Uh, Morton actually does get some salt out of there. What they do is they send water down, dissolve the salt, and get, make it into a brine, and then they suck that out. Uh, they evaporate the water, and then, boom, it's on your table. Wow, that sounds so simple when you describe it like that. Yeah, that's how they do it. Huh. Um, but we got to keep some salt rocks for us, which was really cool. Um, it was nice. I did see a Greyhound bus on the way, and I was, it would made me think on I-70 that what, what, what would it take, what would the cost and what would the uh, effort be to take a Greyhound bus from, let's say, Denver all the way to Hutchinson, Kansas? Oh, I know this. Uh, cost would probably be about $80 per person. Just <clears throat> guessing, right? I mean, you, might be, get, you might be able that's to get low. it down to, to 50 no, or 60 that's low. Okay. That's actually way low. You th- for Denver to Hutchinson? You would leave at either 9 a.m. or 7.30 at night. Uh, it's a nine-hour trip with stops in Goodland, Hayes, and then you have to transfer a bus in Salina. Uh-huh. Salina, Salina, whatever. Yep. Uh, the cost, $144 for the day trip, 157 for the overnight trip. One way. Do you believe that? That's no, a I lot of money. No, I actually don't. No. No. Uh, it's on the no. Greyhound website. I mean, I'm Take sure a look. it's real. Don't get me wrong. But my God, man. There was no return trip available. You would have to go from Wichita to Denver, and that was $98 for the one-way, and it would leave at 1.30 in the middle of the night. And it would not be my first or second or fourth or fifth or seventh or eighth choice of travel to do it that way. Well, it's so funny you say that, man, because every time I used to price out like bus travel versus plane travel, you always come back to, damn, the plane is just fine. And it's just as cheap, realistically, when it comes right down to it. Now, the flights, my mother-in-law had looked at flights to Wichita, and they were around four to $500 round trip. So, obviously, the bus option would have been less expensive. But still pretty expensive. There's got to be somewhere. Like Kansas City? How close is Kansas City to Hutchinson? Not close. Not close. You have to keep going. Uh, you have to keep on going. Mm. And you don't want to do that. No more Kansas. How about that? But we were driving, well, that's the thing about Kansas. I, you know, you're driving out there, and you have so many wide-open spaces. Uh, what? And it made me think about the people who are the never-car people. We've talked to the never-car yes, people we here. We, we have some never-car people listening to this show, and, and, they, and they respond to me, and they say, or, or to the podcast, and they, they, they leave comments and that sort of thing, and they say, uh, stuff about, uh, hey, cars are, are bad, and we should ha- not have cars. And most of the time, it's for environmental reasons. Uh, some of the time, it's for congestion and safety, but most of the time, it's for environmental reasons. But what they forget about is that there's much more to this nation than just large metro areas. They, they, they have a shuttle bus in this little town of Hutchinson, 40,000 people, that makes a loop around the city. And it can get people around. It's four bucks for most folks. It's discounted for the elderly and and for kids. But if you want to get around, you really need a vehicle there. You 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 can get around on a bike. You can you can walk. But if you really want to get around these little towns or get from little, because most people live in a little town, they work in the other little town that's right near them. 
So it's not like they're going to be able to bike for 15 miles. Maybe they could bike for 15 miles, but that, it, the infrastructure is not there, nor will it ever be. Well, and it comes down to time, right? There's no. You just described all the public transportation. It is one shuttle bus. Your 15-mile yeah. trip is not going to be cover, covered by public transportation. No, and your it's bike not. ride is going to be four times to five times as long as your car ride. And sometimes you're on these rural roads, and, and they're dirt roads, and, and so the weather might not allow you to do it, or the... Uh, circumstances of your position or job or what it's just it's just not practical to be in these small rural areas without some type of vehicle well and you hit the nail on the head with the one problem that most people have with biking to work and we we've never even talked about this on the podcast you know what i'm talking about though right nobody wants to be sweaty when they get to work yes that's exactly right i don't i don't i I unfortunately have to wear a, a suit and tie to work right and I am not going to, and I'm not drive riding my bike. It it would probably take me an hour to ride here from where I live. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to ride at two thirty in the morning to get here at three thirty in the middle of the night with crazy people out there on these roads that I'm sharing with. Exactly. And it's the same thing if you're in these small towns. You're not going to ride your bike on these rural roads where people are driving 65 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and the grocery store is 10 miles away, and the Walmart's 10 miles away, and you're just you're just not. It's just not convenient to be without some type of vehicle. There will always be a need for cars and trucks and vans and scooters and and vehicles that will move people around and move them and their stuff around. Right. There will always be that need. If you are living in a large metropolitan New York, Manhattan-style area, you can survive without having a vehicle. Yes, you can. You, you can, can do, do it here just, in Denver. For, I you, mean, honestly, you can do it in a lot of major cities if you're living in the middle of the core. But you can't do that in most of the other rest of the country. Right. And I don't think these people, these no-car-ever people, have been out there. They should just go on a Greyhound bus for a couple of hours out there to Goodland and see what it's like to live in these small towns. Well, and the ones who aren't just straight-up trolls generally get it, right? It's not necessarily never car. It's think about every decision you make and sometimes take the car. But if you have the opportunity to walk or bike instead of taking the car, maybe you should do that instead. You know what? Like small choices. I, I, I think that the people who come out really hardcore, take a hard line, say never car, cars for 5% of trips, etc. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Did we build society like that? No. So you cannot retrofit society into what you think society should become. And and, and we, we also w- explored that argument about pedestrians are always in the right, no matter no matter what. And, and they're just not. That's just not the case. Correct. <sighs> then I was thinking about all the open space that was out there. And let's say Denver is on a 100-acre plot. Or let's say you just had 100 acres of open farmland that you have some access maybe within a mile or two or a couple miles of a major interstate. Let's just take I-70, for example, and you have 100 acres right a mile from I-70. No other infrastructure, just open land. And imagine if you could build your own city. Because really, if you think about all these cities that are cities now, they were usually put there because uh, somebody found something like salt, or somebody came across a river, Denver, where and most people stopped where they could find water at that time, 150, 200 years ago. When they were exploring the West, they go, water is a big deal, and they needed water because it was hard for them to, to carry enough water, 50 or 100 gallons from Oklahoma City all the way here. Correct. So they needed to find water. 
and that's where you find most of these towns on a river where rivers uh, join, where whatever. And then they would just start the little settlement. Well, imagine if you could, with our today technology, start your own city. You could build it from the ground up. That would be a really interesting concept to see if somebody could pull that off where you have really nothing else around you for hundreds of miles except a large metropolitan city with buildings and uh, and trucking and um, some kind of industry. Where What kind of... What what would be the driving force? What would be the energy to sustain that city? I mean, you're talking about a company town, right? You're talking about Amazon decides it wants. You to would move. have to. Yeah, Amazon decides it wants to move to the middle of Kansas because it knows it has all this wide open space and it can put its uh, server farm there. And so they build out a city and they have to move in five thousand workers and you got to feed five thousand people and you got to have a grocery store for five thousand people and all of a sudden you got a town of twenty five thousand people that has a decent enough economy. That's that's essentially what you're describing, right? I mean, exactly. when it comes down to it. Because you look at Detroit, it was, you know, Henry Ford started making some cars and we needed more people to build more cars. And so more people went to Detroit and went to the southeast Michigan area and it really spilled out into northeast Ohio. And then you have other towns that that did basically the same thing. You'd have a couple of big industries that would then support most of the town. But what would you do to create some kind of uh, business that would be the major because you don't want to ever re- rely on one major business, i.e., the car makers, mm-hmm. for your livelihood, Flint, um, because then it could go away. And then where are you as a town? Dayton, yep. Ohio. That's yep. an actually the the next place my my family is going. My twirlers are going for the next baton trip. Is Dayton, Ohio? Yeah, yeah. It's a fair question, man. You know. Okay. What is it? Have you already picked out a Hampton Inn or something in the old Dayton? No, they, the 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 coach likes to stay at the Holiday Inn Express. There you go. So that's you where we were. Wake up feeling like never a doctor. sleep well at the at, at those hotels because of the air conditioning. The way that air conditioner unit is right there at the window, how it kicks on and off. That's always I, – I never like that. I oh, would rather have it on all the time. I, I that you drop it to fifty eight degrees, man, it'll be on all the time. But then it gets to be 58 degrees in there, and my kids freeze. Nope, that's exactly how it should be. They need to toughen up. That's how cold <laughs> it should be when you go to sleep is 58 degrees. They make me sleep next to the air conditioner. So I will be the coldest one. That makes sense. And then I have my littlest one with me, and then my old daughter, oldest daughter sleeps with my wife in the other little bed. And those beds are never big enough. No. No, no, no. And just wait until you're in cot territory where it's – Two beds plus the cot jamming into a little room. <laughs> my family, we tried to do a road trip like we did when my brothers were five and seven years old, when my brothers were 16 and 18 years old. So it was five of us in a two-queen room yeah. where you wheel in the cot. It's just not pleasant, man. No. No, you cannot have five grown people, much less four with two half-grown people. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Anyway. Enjoy Dayton. I will not be going, actually. My mother-in-law will be accompanying them on the uh, trip because I become the fifth wheel. If I go along and my mother-in-law is on the trip, then I am. The, then, then she feels like the fifth wheel, and so, therefore, I'm staying home for this one. I would want to go, but, you know, it's like on this one, the, the regional one, they had me do announcing on, on Sunday. for the. It was a two-day competition, and ah. I was announcing on all-day Saturday. So, for six hours, I was... In lane number one, Alexi Lytle. 
in lane number two. <laughs> you know, it's just do they do they live stream this? Is this uh, the Nationals? I think the Nationals is live streamed or Facebook lived, I believe. Um, so it's a it's a pretty big deal for the national one, but not the regional one. Gotcha. I thought about doing it. Uh, anyway, a four year old boy on his first flight going from Houston to Orlando is now an internet sensation after his father took video of his boy reacting to a woman in the seat behind them who put her bare feet in that little space right next to the boy. The boy was sitting in the window seat, and the bare foot was wedged between the wall and his armrest where her toes were sticking right there into his seat area. Oh, oh. So Dad then shared this video on his Facebook page. It's been seen over 100,000 times, thousands of responses. Now, the best part of this is when the boy, his name is Rodney, without hesitation, turns around. Well, first he says, "Ah, stinky feet. Mm. I got some stinky feet right here. And he didn't like the stinky feet. So then he turns around and says to the barefooter woman, your feet are on my arms. (laughs) No. I mean, they were, right? Yep. The woman understood the message. She took her feet away and apologized to the boy. That's the thing about kids. They're so great because they don't consider really hurting somebody's feelings or being inappropriate in those situations. They just say, that's a problem. It needs to be fixed. You, feet, out. (laughs) Yep. Woman probably didn't. Well, 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 let's not speculate about the woman. All I'm going to say is, the, the the size of the problem is always relative to the smell of the feet, right? No, that's a problem. Doesn't matter how good smelling or bad smelling the feet are. But if they're just like if it's just like a baby foot, you know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal. But if if you're it talking wasn't about, a baby's foot, but if it's a claw, if it's a claw and it's hairy and you got like little moose knuckles down there, <laughs> then it's a problem. It was a it was a regular adult woman's foot, and it looked clean. I I, I can't vouch for the smell. But it was obviously a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I might handle it differently by, I don't know, not tickling the foot, but maybe dropping something on it, and then, therefore, they, they think that something's going on, and they pull their foot back. I don't know. I, I It would just bug me really badly to have somebody's foot right next to me as I'm sitting in the window seat. Correct. And the best way to deal with it is to act as though they have no feelings. Do not take their feelings yeah. into account. Hey, would you please get your foot out of here? Yeah. What is this? Take care of this, please. Grab your pen and just jab it right between the first and second digits. Oof. That sounds painful. For some people, mostly young men, when they go barreling down the highway, nothing helps them enjoy the drive like blasting Metallica or Iron Maiden or maybe Slipknot or any other heavy metal music. What did you, what, what do you like to listen to while you're driving? Podcasts. There you go. NPR. But a new study is claiming now that, a, that playing heavy metal music may hinder your driving ability. Auto Express Magazine and I Am Road Smart, they're a UK charity that says they have spent more than 60 years making our roads safer by improving driver and rider skills through coaching and education. They ran a test to see if the type of music you play in your car affects your driving. So here were the rules they set up as they were doing this study. During the test, a driver was asked to make two simulated precision laps of a Grand Prix track while they were listening to songs at full volume from four different genres of music, thrash metal, hip-hop, classical, and pop. 
The two-lap test involved fast acceleration, a series of technically challenging corners, and a speed-limited zone completed by a controlled stop on the finish line at the end of the second lap. Go around, go around, stop. The first run was done with no music, and the timing was 4 minutes and 34 seconds. Then the test subject tried a lap with Slipknot playing. I, 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 you I haven't can't... listened to Slipknot recently, Jason? No. I, I... Ah. The driver apparently was a staggering 14 seconds slower, and his throttle movements were more jagged, the researcher said. The driver admitted listening to Slipknot made it harder to concentrate on the circuit layout. <laughs> now, maybe they're not a fan of Slipknot. Maybe they would have been done better with uh, Foo Fighters. I mean, do you think they played like I don't think the Foo most, Fighters though was. Do you think they played the most radio friendly Slipknot song, or do you think they played the most metal Slipknot song possible? Right. Oh yeah. Like whatever it was, it was the one with the fastest drums and the most crazy and, guitars and, and the like, most screaming. Yes. All of that. Then they played some classical music in the form of some Bach. And the driver was still 12 seconds slower. With Slipknot, it was 14 seconds slower. With Bach, it was 12 seconds slower than the controlled lap. And they also dropped to 35 miles an hour in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. (laughs) Well, maybe the driver was a little bit too uh, relaxed. (laughs) Now, when playing the pop hit Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, the driver was only two seconds slower than the controlled time. And the smoothest ride yet. Shake it off. Swift wins again, man. Finally, playing hip-hop, Kendrick Lamar's Humble, to be specific. Again, I I am all pops and clicks with that one. It resulted in the driver being just one second slower than the controlled lap. Well, Humble's a pretty tame hip-hop song. It is? You know what I mean? Like, that's not... Again... If you're playing the most metal of metal songs, you got to play the most hip-hop of hip-hop songs. It's got to be Get Low by Lil John and the Eastside Boys. The head of technical policy for I Am Roadsmart said, What is clear is that the furious thrash metal really reduced the ability of the driver to get around the track smoothly. That and high-energy dance music are designed to be felt as well as heard and to be listened to at a high volume. They said it's clear neither help when it comes to making exact driving maneuvers. Volume is the major factor for concentration and has a huge effect. I would certainly advise drivers to dial down the noise when making a maneuver and save the thrash metal for later in the day or night. Unquote. So I guess the main point really of the story should be listen to your favorite driving music at a respectable volume because it sounds like it's more the volume being so loud that is making you uh, drive erratically, then it really is maybe the style of music. Well, and frankly, we we ducked away from the key finding of the study, which is everybody drove worse when they were listening to any form of music. Drive in silence, folks. Turn us off. Don't do that. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, don't don't listen to anything. Focus on the road, for God's sake. I I would like to see how the driver would have done with different types of talk radio, podcasts, uh, Rush speak- Limbaugh, Stephen A. Smith, Jason yeah. Luber. Yeah, exactly. You throw them all in there, and you see how people do it. That would be interesting. I would like to see that contest go. Anyway, it's not. I All right, I'm going to have something for you to look up here on your phone in just a second. So I've sailed on the world's largest cruise ship. It's the Royal Caribbean Symphony of the Sea. It's it's huge, and there are more huge cruise ships coming out, Royal or uh, 
uh, Carnival has one coming out with a roller coaster on the top of it. Yes. And there's going to be more coming to an ocean near you. But if you think cruise ships are big now, a cruise line has proposed a new ship that will carry 60,000 passengers and will be nearly a mile long. It's called Freedom Cruise Line International, and they're proposing the largest vessel ever constructed in maritime history. It would be 4,500 feet long. 4,500. 300 feet is a football field, folks. 300 feet. So this is 4,500 feet. It would be as wide as two and a half football fields. It would be 350 feet high. The ship would be the first mobile city at sea and carry the name Freedom Ship. And the cost to build the Freedom Ship, it's estimated at around $11 billion. Now, the 20-plus story superstructure would contain a condominium, housing for 60000 They would have a hospital, schools, hotel, casino, commercial and office space. And the commercial district aboard the Freedom Ship would sustain a population of 100,000 people that would include 40,000 residents, 30,000 daily visitors, 10,000 overnight guests to the hotel and casino, and a crew of 20,000 people. Now, Freedom Ship would circumnavigate the globe every two years, constantly visiting different countries and ports, and the top of the ship would actually have a landing strip on it for aircraft that would be able to support a turboprop aircraft, Some something that could hold like 40 people on this airplane. While the idea of the project was unveiled several years ago, the company hopes to start primary construction within a year. That hasn't happened yet. However, I, I, I w- there are some people that say, don't get your hopes up too high, that this Freedom Ship is actually not going to be built, or, or at least the chances of it being built are very low. But the part that I thought was somewhat interesting here when I was looking at Freedom Ship, two things. You can buy resident residential units there on the Freedom Ship. Some are as much as $10 million. Some are much less in okay. the hundred or couple hundred thousand dollar range. It depends on what your view is. How many bedrooms you have? How many bathrooms you have? Today, yes, today, Today, right now, right now, you can can buy buy a four bedroom, two bathroom penthouse with a view on the Freedom Ship. Yeah, for like ten million dollars, but it doesn't exist. But the ship does not exist yet. So that seems like a big old waste of ten million (laughs) dollars. You would think so. Okay. So they also have the Freedom Ship store on their Freedom Ship Freedom on their Freedom Ship website. So there you can buy. All kinds of different things from the Freedom Ship store, like a t-shirt, or a sweatshirt, or a hat, or a thong. Yep, they have a women's thong with a dumb picture of the ship right there in the middle of the front of the thong. It's coming right for us. (laughs) Seriously. They also have boxers for men, just so we're not sexist here. Uh, They have earrings. They have a charm necklace. They have a front license plate, wall decal, notepads, puzzle, yard signs, in case you wanted to put a yard sign with the picture of the Freedom Ship, the one only picture of the Freedom Ship that they have in the front of your house. It's not a picture. It's a drawing because it's not a real (laughs) ship. (laughs) They have that picture on pillows, footed pajamas, a doggy t-shirt. You can buy a T-shirt for your dog that has a picture of the those proposed freedom ship on it, a baby blanket, and so much more. 
I mean, honestly, they must have a hundred items for sale with that one dumb drawing picture of the Freedom Ship. Which, again, is not real. Is not a real ship. Has not been built yet. But you can still get a t-shirt or a hoodie or a, a pair of pants or a polo or a, a hat or a hoodie or what? I think I said hoodie twice. Or whatever you want with that dumb picture on. And, and, they're, and they're taking your money and giving you stuff with the picture of the Freedom Ship. Give us ten million dollars. Give us ten million dollars and twenty five dollars, and we'll give you a shirt, and we'll give you that uh, four bedroom, two bed, two bathroom condo I was just talking about, and you might see it in your lifetime. Maybe, <laughs> like you might not too, but you might. I, I already have a white elephant gift for our Christmas party coming up. I prepared early. I wanted to get it for this past year, but I didn't get it in time. It's June. I know, so I got it early, and it's actually a rainbow picture of. It's a pillowcase with Nick Cage on it. Okay. And it's it's very funny. Anyway, I was thinking if that was my that was my first choice. My second choice would it be get would you get a freedom ship thong and give that for the elephant gift. So if you need an idea right now, if you want to prepare early for for uh, your holiday elephant gift or another elephant gift for some other time of the year, get a freedom ship thong and then give that out, and everybody's going to go, huh? Yep. It will be the most strange gift anybody will see at any of these elephant uh, gift parties. That is a guarantee, as Justin Wilson used to say. You remember Justin Wilson, the cook? The Cajun cook? Justin Wilson? Okay. Okay. Uh, We talk about walking here all the time on the show, and people in my neighborhood sometimes on uh, the Nextdoor app will will talk about their walking adventures because they see something or, or are concerned about something as they're walking around the neighborhoods. But I haven't seen anything posted like this on their walk. So this is from Terry Davidson, and it was titled Public Nudity. Terry says, quote, my wife, daughter, and I didn't say how old the daughter was, but I imagine fairly young. But wife, daughter, and I were walking our dog down the street last night, wanting to enjoy the beautiful evening weather. The culprit had other plans. As we walked down the corner of our street, we were greeted by a naked man washing his car in all his glory. He looked our way and waved at us like nothing was wrong with what he was doing. This was disrespectful and not at all appropriate for my baby. Please put clothes on while washing your car. Some of the comments to Terry's post were actually great. Okay. Uh, there was this one. Maybe he was just trying to be water-wise and wash the car and himself at the same time. Smart. Yep. I think that's actually a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was. Maybe he would suds up the car and then suds up himself. And then hose it all down. Boom. Two birds, one scone. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or this comment. Probably not much to see as it was sort of chilly last night. There you, there you go. I don't know. Anyway, many thought it could be uh, a joke that he was just doing it as a dare or... That this whole or or that this whole post was a complete joke, and, and this this couple and daughter and dog didn't really see a naked man, and, and it was all made up. I don't know, but if you think about it, if they if this was real, and those people took it a step farther and uh, called the cops, then that guy would have been registered as a sex offender, right? Yeah, imagine that. Just washing your car naked. The next thing you know, you're a registered sex offender. Man, that case would make it all the way to the Supreme Court, though. 
You think so? He would appeal that? Are you kidding me? The kind of guy who washes his car naked in his front driveway, a driveway where other people clearly have sidewalks where they could also come down said driveway. Like where I grew up, I could have washed my car naked because there were trees all around us. Nobody was coming up there. I never did that, but I could have. This guy clearly lives in what, like a cul-de-sac or just on a regular old street where he thinks he can be butt naked in public? Doesn't make any sense. He is litigious. You think so? Guaranteed. So he was begging for somebody to call the cops? Yes, most definitely. He was looking forward I don't think to that, it was that I don't think he was shaking his stuff at these people. I no. think he was just going out about his business. Just waving at them. With Hello. All, with, with all three appendages. <laughs> or five, as the case may be. Good day. Uh, you know, because it happens to people who streak on football fields. Right? After they get tackled by security, yes, yes. Yes, and then they have to be a registered sex offender. So, there you go. I don't want to see you wash your car naked. What kind of car is it, by the way? Your car. My car? Volkswagen Jetta. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a second car, or is it just the one? Just the one. Just the one. Yep. You're going to get a second car? Eventually. <laughs> You're going to wait till your wife has to go back to work? Uh, but no, next week, actually. Oh, so are you? <laughs> yeah. What you looking at? Uh, get back to you, but it's probably a Versa. A she- like a, a brand new? No, like an older Nissan Versa. All right. Yeah. And well, because I, I, I told the story about my uh, process of getting a new used car and going to all these different uh, dealerships, if you will, and these new fangled places where you can get cars. Usually they pick them up the auto auction. Right, right, right. Well, see, we're not really into all that. I actually, I want to go to the auto auction here. That was that was our initial plan was to just save up money and go drop like four grand at the auto auction and see what happens. Um, but no, my mother, my mom's hooking us up with this Nissan Versa, so we're just going to drive it across the country. So it's just a matter of getting it here, which should be. You could ship it. No. There are companies that will ship it. There's no fun in that, man. We're no. Gonna, we're going to see America. <laughs> okay. Probably Perfect. too much of America. Probably some dead bugs, too, man. You told me about Kansas. That's definitely a part of the country we're going to have to drive through. So Very nice. Well, there's a lot of open space there in uh, in Kansas, so enjoy that. The bug storm. Yes. Anything else driving you crazy? Listen, man, several things. But uh, I don't know if we really need to get into all that right now. I think all those conversations need to happen off the air. I am still disappointed I didn't receive any uh, voicemails from anybody listening to last week's episode. So here the number is again, 303-832-0217. 832-0217. That is the number you can call, and, and you will get our uh, voicemail, 0217. And I think this is what it should sound like. Let me see if I can get this to, uh, where's the speaker here? See, it just pops up right there. See, and then you there, and you leave the message right there. Boom, and then it comes right to my my uh, voicemail, my mailbox, and then we can play it here on the show. So, again, three zero three eight three two zero two one seven. Just say hi, uh, say bye, say nothing, say something, say something. Say something and, and yell at us, man. I, I Get out all those frustrations. Tell us what's driving you crazy. Are you publicizing that number on air? 832-0217 in the 303 area code. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right, so that's about all we have for uh, the episode this week. I am efforting. I was efforting a uh, Hyperloop interview for today. It didn't work out. I'm hoping it will come through for next week. Um, they're actually going to have some kind of Hyperloop conference in Golden 
We're in a few the next weeks couple away. of weeks. Yeah, they're so, going to be in the School of Mines. I'm hoping to get a lot of those people in here, honestly. Yeah, so I want to get an uh, interview with one of those folks before the conference happens, and I think that'd be pretty interesting. So I'm still efforting that, and we'll see if we can get that for you next week. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. I'm Hyperloop Skeptic, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>